0: I think that in this situation, the friend was really in like main character energy. Yes. Hello, clowns. I'm Ummi. I'm Yu Chen, and we're the hosts of Clown Vibes Podcast. We're two best friends who get together to laugh and discuss a variety of topics, from all things pop culture to navigating through adulthood as Asian Americans and more with our own clown spin, of course. We're so glad to have you here to clown around with us, and we hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Before we get into the episode, I'd like to announce that we will be making a few changes to the lineup of our throwback book club series so our first episode was on gossip girl if you haven't listened to it it's episode 16 but our next book will actually be the hunger games and our third book that we'll read will be the summer i turned pretty and we will release that episode closer to the launch of season two this summer happy reading hello
0: and good morning this is (laughs) I haven't been awake this early in a few days, and so it was hard to wake up today. I have been
1: actually waking up too early these days. It's just been like progressively earlier, and I'm just unable to sleep later in the night.
0: Yeah, when I texted you this morning, I was shocked that you saw it and immediately replied, because I went to sleep after again. I was (laughs) awake before I texted you. (laughs) I've been waking up.
1: Naturally, at like six every morning, and it's scary. I'm terrified for
0: you. That's so, that's too early. What do you do for three hours before work? I go to the gym and I eat. (laughs) Okay, fair, fair, fair. What do you do on the days you don't go to the gym? Just lay in bed? Just lay in
1: bed or do chores. I feel like there's never enough time in the day to do chores these days, (laughs) or I record clown
0: vibes. Okay. True. Okay. I have a great question for you. I was thinking about this before I was going to sleep yesterday. God knows why. But if you were going to be turned into a vampire, at what age would you want to be turned? Oh my gosh. 25.
1: (laughs) Did I answer that too quickly? Mine
0: is 32.
1: 32? You don't even know what life is like at 32. Wait, what do you mean? You said 25. You said. So, how come at 32 you would not know what life is? How would you know that 32 is a good life to live if you've never lived a life as a 32 year old?
0: Oh, oh, my personal life. I would. I think, like, hopefully by 32, I'm like just way more stable. (laughs) Like, I'm a true ass adult. I know who I am. And I don't want to be stuck in an age where you can. Like, it's murky. Like, are you in college? Are you an entry-level job? Like, at 32, you could be any age. Okay. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, people, you could look a lot younger. You could be like, no, I'm actually older, but just look
1: young. No, I feel like we have different concepts of how vampires would age because my understanding is... Once you turn into a vampire, you physically stop aging, but, like, you mentally, emotionally continue to develop,
0: right? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, like, what the outside world thinks of you and look, like, based on how maybe you look. different we have different um, <laughs> issues, but I feel like I don't age at all. So I am, maybe <laughs> I am a vampire. <laughs> maybe. Anyways, I could not sleep last night, and that's what I was thinking about. I mean, I'm excited to meet you at... <laughs> 32 i will say i
1: think like i was looking at pictures of us that you sent me for our friendship episode Mm -hmm. from when we were in college and you look really different you don't look very different but you have a different look look to you if that makes sense yeah for sure i definitely just look like more baby back then yeah i don't think i changed at all what do you um yeah you look younger But not in like a, whoa, you've aged. Yeah, I don't think
0: you've really changed.
1: You do look different, but not like super different. I think like i filled in my face and my body a little bit more, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, last night I started watching Jewish matchmaking. Have you started watching that at all? Or did you see that? No, I haven't. Okay. It's like the same concept of Indian matchmaking, which... They just, like, finished the latest season. It's, like, season three now. And I will say, Mm -hmm. I think Jewish matchmaking is actually a lot better than Indian matchmaking. And I need to watch it. I don't know if it's, like, we will be harder on Indian matchmaking because they're Asian and we are just naturally, like, more privy to that culture. But – I feel like in Jewish matchmaking, the matchmaker has like a different concept to like what makes a relationship successful. And she's not just like a matchmaker. She's a life and dating coach. Mm-hmm. And she actually gives good advice. Whereas Ooh. I feel like Seema auntie is just like her only advice is you'll never get 100%.
0: Yeah, I don't think Simanti actually has any advice. She has, like, that one line that she says a million times. Yeah, I don't think she's a good matchmaker or that it represents, like, India in a good light. (laughs) (laughs) I am excited to watch Jewish matchmaking then. What did you think about this latest season of Indian matchmaking? I'm so over this show. It's, like, the same She has never created a successful relationship. I think even the people from this season have broken up. Although I haven't Googled if Priya, the one who hates ice cream, (sighs) is still with that man bun guy. Although I hope for his sake that she's not because what do you mean you don't eat ice cream? If someone told me they hated ice cream, I'd be like, we literally cannot be friends.
1: it's not that she hates ice cream but she hates ice cream in a way that like i think she would get pissed off if you even say you want ice cream like it visibly annoyed her that her date mentioned ice cream
0: yeah which is like what did ice cream do to
1: you i need the backstory on this just comparing like the contestants on indian matchmaking and jewish matchmaking i also feel like the contestants themselves on jewish matchmaking are a little bit more experienced in dating or just like have a better understanding of what they're looking for. Whereas I feel like for Indian matchmaking, Mm -hmm. it's really just such a crapshoot. It's like all the contestants that they pick have like never gone on a date before or something. I mean, obviously that's like not the case, but there's like just such a stark difference in the way that the contestants on Jewish matchmaking carry themselves on these dates where they're able to have, like, more productive Mm. conversations. And they're just a lot more direct with one another. Oh, that's
0: nice. I think indirectness is, like, an Indian cultural
1: thing. (laughs) I won't get into it too much, but I'd love to do an episode on why there's so many Jewish and Asian couples. Because I had this conversation Relatively recently, with Interesting. one of my friends. Uh-huh. And she was like, Oh, yeah, my mom used to date a Jewish guy before she married my dad. And then my other friend was like, Oh my gosh, my mom, who's also Asian, also dated a Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. Nico's mom's dating a Jewish guy. And we were like, It's because Asian culture and Jewish culture are
0: actually very similar in the way that they value family and education. Interesting, yeah. We could we can do an episode about it. I am gonna watch Jewish matchmaking this weekend. I'm excited now. I just haven't had time. Actually, I have had time. I'm just really into watching the fosters right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> should we
1: get into it? Alright, our main topic today. It's sparked by a bustle article that's been circulating the news sites. And it's is Therapy Speak making us Selfish. I mean, first impression answer to the question is therapy speak making us selfish? Yeah, I agree. I 100% think therapy speak is making us selfish, but I don't know if it's we've always been selfish and we've just never felt empowered to do so. But definitely, therapy speak has been, quote unquote, like weaponized in a way to allow us to be more selfish.
0: Yeah, I think it's giving people the permission definitely in a way that it hasn't been before and now in the name of self-care and in the name of like bettering yourself there's so much more you can get away with without thinking about the other person because you're like well I have to think about myself first and that is true to some extent but if you care about the people around you you should also be thinking about them. At a high level, basically the article states that with the rise
1: of therapy in social media, more and more people getting into therapy the concept of like therapy talk and therapy speech has become more prevalent in our day-to-day lives and what we mean by therapy speak is maybe using the term like oh you're being really toxic you're not creating an environment that feels safe for us to have productive conversations
0: what's another example of therapy speak labeling things yes I feel like we're really in the, like, phase of calling people narcissists and, like, labeling and diagnosing other people when – this is a very complex diagnosis and while you could have a good understanding of like that person being whatever label you're attaching to them but you don't necessarily like have the right or the experience to do that in a way that's productive one of my biggest pet peeves is when people
1: just start throwing the word like anxious attachment or avoidant attachment in like every aspect of life and i think like Therapy Speak and dating TikTok have many crossovers. (laughs) Oh, for sure going into the article so in the article the writer goes into a few couple scenarios that they've interviewed across like people
0: our age I think Mm -hmm. what is a story that just like stood out to you the most I think the starting story in the article where her friend basically sent her a quote unquote breakup friend text with no opportunity to have a discussion or to clarify like what does this mean? I have personally received a similar text, and it's extremely jarring to not be able to get the answers you're looking for, get the clarification you're looking for, and especially that person's text was very clinical. It was really like, I don't have the capacity. You know, it was very removed and not rooted in, like, empathy at all, and... It was a bit triggering. <laughs> As I was reading that, I was a hundred percent thinking back to
1: your situation. I think the difference is that in your situation, I don't think that person used therapy speak. No, definitely and didn't. That is like kind of the fine line between therapy speak and setting boundaries. Both have like the same goal, but In my opinion, the difference between like setting boundaries using therapy speak and setting boundaries using, I don't know, colloquial language, like conversational language is I feel like in therapy speak, there's just this automatic air of I'm right, you're wrong because I've done this level of work that this is definitive and doesn't leave any opportunity for discussion or the other person's opinion.
0: Definitely. I think it makes a huge difference. And I think the reason my situation was able to recover was because it was not a therapy-speak situation. But I think a lot of therapy-speak has a tone of finality to it that is just not true and not appropriate in a lot of situations. What was the story that stood out to you?
1: The story that stood out to me was another friendship breakup where... She basically, like, got invited to a party. She showed up late, and for some reason at the end of the party, she said she felt unsafe and unloved by the host. And the party was, like, the host's birthday. That was so jarring because it reminded me of a friend who I'm no longer friends with. Do you know who I'm talking about, though? I think so. She never said, like, these exact words. She felt unsafe and unloved. But the whole, like, situation is just, like, you're invited to another person's party where you're supposed to be celebrating that person. And you are the one that, like, showed up late. And she invited you into, like, an intimate setting. And you think that this is the situation where you're supposed to feel so loved and so safe i really like can't imagine i mean obviously we weren't there to like experience the vibes but definitely like feeling unsafe what does it even mean to feel unsafe in a friendship environment
0: yeah i i would assume feeling unsafe would be like if you're sharing something really like intense and the person is not being like understanding but in that what we were presented as like a party or like small get-together situation that's not happening so I don't know like in that situation what it means to feel unsafe and I think that in this situation the friend was really in like main character energy But this is not your party. Like, you're not the main character of this situation. And I think therapy speak and, like, kind of therapy in general promotes being the main character, like, a lot. That's so interesting that you brought up main character energy because did you see
1: all that drama around Alex Earl and Tofer and the
0: Tarte like influencer trip no who's Topher
1: I don't know who Topher is I thought Topher (laughs) was like that really redneck little kid who loves ice cream that's been circling around TikTok where the guy's like who do you think Uh is the scariest and they're like I think Topher is the scariest and it's just like little kids having fun, but there's this guy who is like a big personality on the web called Topher or something and Alex Earl brought him as a plus one to a tart trip in like this resort or something and apparently there's like shade between the two of them now and people were saying it's because Topher has main character energy and when you are brought in as a plus one to like a big influencer trip like you are not the main character and it's so funny because like yeah influencer culture and like social media culture has now brought in this like interesting dynamic where now you know not to pick someone who's always the main character to a brand trip Which is not like a scenario that we would ever be in, but
0: (laughs) but I think it's applicable to other situations too, right? Exactly. You don't want to bring a like a plus one to anything that like you're going to where they're going to try to like outshine you. There is a time and place to have a main character energy, but there's also a time and place just to like chill in the back. Exactly, and I think as like society has.
1: Become more reclusive, I would claim, especially with like post-pandemic social norms and just us not being in person as often. I feel like we're really losing Mm -hmm. touch with how to navigate these social dynamics of like main character energy and like when to be more outspoken and when to kind of like sit back and know your place around a group of people.
0: Yeah, I think because we were not going out as much. Everyone thought like any opportunity out was time to shine. And that is simply not true. And it is pretty nuanced, but I don't feel like it's difficult to know. In the article, they specifically say
1: like therapy speak is making us selfish. Mm -hmm. Have you seen like a spike in maybe your internal selfish behavior now that you've been in therapy for much longer? Or- do you think that you just feel maybe more ready to set these boundaries or push
0: back on certain requests? (laughs) I don't think I am still even at the place where I am pushing back. I think you are. In work, you definitely are. Oh, true, true, in work. I personally don't think that I'm becoming more selfish. You let me know. But I think (laughs) like I am standing up for myself maybe in ways I wouldn't before but I in general am very or I like to think I'm very empathetic so I hope I'm not do you think there's a difference between being selfish and standing up for yourself and what is
1: that difference yeah
0: to me that difference is like are you coming at it in a way where you're not thinking about other people. And I don't think like in when I'm standing up for myself, I'm thinking like, how is this going to affect them?
1: Yeah, I think I've seen you in situations where you've been like, irked by something that someone said. And I've seen you like feel more empowered to express your feelings. But In every situation, I feel like it's very thought through. It's never like, I'm hurt and now I'm going to cut them off. Like you always consider like where they're coming from. And nine times out of 10, you get to this conclusion where like they're probably not set up to like really understand where your feelings are at. And just a basic communication of it in a very open manner is an easy way to like resolve those conflicts.
0: Yeah, I'm never one to really like let people go. So I am never one to like be so abrupt of like, you did this to me, we're done. So I would like to think that I'm not becoming more selfish. I'm always one (laughs) to like, really? I don't think you are. I think you think you are, but I don't think so. Like for things that matter to you, you're not letting it. You're not like cutting things out abruptly. All of your actions are very thought through. It is.
1: It's like a gradual build up. And I think like what I could do a better job though is like continuing to set my boundary. I'm like reflecting back in certain situations. And there are always like situations where I was much younger and not further into my journey into therapy, but to the other person, it may seem abrupt, right? I think like I've been in the receiving end, I've been in the giving end, but that last boundary setting communication that you're giving it seems maybe selfish and maybe seem like out of nowhere, but I feel like for both parties, it's never just completely out of the blue. Like in bo- in like situations that I'm thinking of, like yeah. both parties really do like have a good grasp of where this relationship is heading.
0: Yeah, which I guess to me that doesn't feel selfish. It is just like life and the evolving nature of relationships.
1: I think one thing about like therapy speak in general is I feel like I'm just more aware of it now. I remember when I first started therapy mm-hmm. and I was like, I think my dad is a narcissist. <laughs> like, I think I said that in one of the first few sessions and my therapist was really good about like, what is it? narcissist mean like she would always ask me to describe certain terms because like yeah when we're given these terms with such like negative connotations I think we're just so quick to use it because we've never been exposed to it before but like I don't think I could really mm-hmm. describe what a narcissist was and it's very common for I think someone to want to use these terms when you're first introduced to therapy talk definitely like, I remember when I was first introduced to like attachment styles to like the narcissist mother or the narcissist father like bipolar disease like I guess bipolar bipolar isn't really like therapy talk but It's a label that we tend to give to individuals maybe too freely. And I think until someone actually does like therapy work on their end, regardless if you are like labeled that as not like just understanding what like it takes to have like these types of interactions with these types of people, I think naturally kind of discourages you from using those kind of labels off the bat.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I think it's uh, human nature to want to label things, right? It makes it more understandable. It's easier. Like, it gives it a framework. But these, like, terms are so complex, and we've made them very, like, black – or not black and white, but very – we've simplified them so much that we think we can use them colloquially, and we cannot or should not. I think I asked you if you were feeling anxiously attached the other day. (laughs) Do you
1: remember that?
0: You did. Yeah, you did. And I was like, I don't think – like, I'm not attached. I think I'm just, like, anxious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just, like – I kind of thought you would know where I'm getting at, but I didn't know the right term for it. And I knew it was an anxious attachment.
0: I didn't take it as, like, you're trying to, like – I knew what you were trying to ask, and I think I answered, like – hopefully, what I thought you were trying to ask. When I did see it, I was like, that's funny, but I don't, like... There's no attachment in this situation. (laughs) Or very, very little attachment to where it would not... That's not necessarily the right thing. Have you been on Therapy Talk lately? I see a little bit of Therapy Talks. (laughs) Are you? No, and I
1: think there was a period where I was heavily into Therapy Talk.
0: Oh, me too. And it's
1: usually... You're the most unwell. Definitely. Oh, for sure. It's like such a signal of when a person is unwell. A, you're getting lots of therapy or like relationship videos. And B, like social media is just deteriorating your mental health. Like these two aspects are just like prime indicators that
0: you're unwell. Yeah. Uh, When I was on Therapy Talk, I would – take every video and like try to apply it to my life and then try to you know like make sense of my situation using their huge like crazy blanket statements like extremely blanketed and it's all just i feel like the way that tiktok has set up in order for
1: creators to be successful like obviously we know what it takes to be successful but I mean Mm -hmm. we're researching the tactics here (laughs) and it's a lot of like targeted audience speak like really bold statements that are supposed to be eye-catching and or not eye-catching but like to catch your attention really quickly and draw you in and of course like they're going to tailor it to such a blanket statement where they're trying to gather like the most audience and viewers that can relate to the statement. So no wonder we're all just like, yeah, this makes sense for like nine out of ten videos.
0: Yeah. You know what it kind of reminds me of is like reading your horoscope. The horoscope is so broad. You can apply it to pretty much most situations and that's like therapy talk's tactic.
1: I think like my first exposure to therapy talk was like the narcissist parent and they would give like mm-hmm. such common scenarios. I'm just like looking back, we've all experienced at some point a narcissist father or mother just based on like their very blanket statements are very blanket like approaches. Like our parents are human beings who have yeah. to be selfish at certain aspects of their life. Like you can't go in your day-to-day and not be selfish. I think it's like choosing and, you know, the way that you're acting around others that makes you not really a narcissist. But there are – it's like definitely a muscle that you flex. I don't even know if it's a muscle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's um very toxic. And maybe we're on the other side because now videos about it are – more about how they're toxic at least sometimes okay but do you
1: think like therapy talk or just like the more widespread knowledge of therapy on social media has helped you at all because in a way it has for me despite how quote-unquote toxic it may be I do like that it's spreading awareness of certain behaviors that like yeah especially us as Asians like we don't get that kind of teaching or learning from our parents or our siblings. And it's definitely not something that's taught in school. And so the only way that we're able to really learn about our behaviors is if we go to therapy and if we're on therapy Mm -hmm. talk.
0: Yeah, I think it has because while some things are really outrageous, it still gets you thinking about it. And then You know, hopefully you're thinking about it more objectively and like a, does this actually apply to me? And there are situations that do, and it is helpful to be able to hear it, take a step back and think like, okay, do I like this or do I not? Like, what do I want to do about it?
1: I just have a question. Looking back at like your friends or maybe like situations that you've been in, have you ever had like therapy talk Uh given to you?
0: I feel like, no, most of my friends are not in therapy. Okay, but that's the thing about like Besides therapy you. talk
1: is most people are using these terms and they're not even in therapy. Like it's such like a widespread thing now. Yeah, okay. Oh, true, true, true.
0: You know, I can't think of anything. So if it's happened, I've blocked it out. <laughs> that's my coping mechanism is to forget. <laughs> and I can't recall a situation. Has <laughs> it happened to you?
1: I don't think directly at me I've always experienced friendship breakups or breakups in general in the very normal manner. (laughs) Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't tell at this point. Maybe good thing. It's a thing, yeah. But I think just like as I was reading this article, it reminded me of this one friendship breakup that I didn't experience, but I was kind of like privy to and like a witness of. And Mm -hmm. Although I didn't think they used therapy talk, I think this person was in therapy and that really influenced the way that they behaved. So they just like completely ghosted their friend and they've been like friends for Mm -hmm. a while. They've been roommates before too. So they've like spent a large chunk of their time together and this friend just like completely ghosted Mm -hmm. this other person. And as this was happening... I was just thinking like, this is such normal behavior for that friend who just completely left and didn't give an explanation. And I think there is somewhat of a correlation between going to therapy and being quote unquote more selfish. In that instance, I did think she was being selfish, but not in like a negative connotation way. Like what is a way to describe someone as being selfish, but more of like they're prioritizing like what they need? And they're not necessarily, like, opening the conversation for the other person. Like, they've set a boundary, but maybe not in a very communicative
0: way. Is that selfish? I don't know. It's hard because I think selfish is a negative word in general, but it doesn't need to be. Like, there needs to be a counterpart word that's, like, selfish but in the positive connotation if that makes or sense or neutral because i don't think what she did was positive yeah or neutral yeah yeah i think to each person like the other person in the situation i'm sure thinks she's like negatively 100 like even i was just like right like you always want answers
1: oh for sure and like in speaking with the other person like she had really no idea what the issue was and i think that is like mm-hmm. the biggest issue with these like kind of boundary setting is one person is in the dark and while the other person thinks they've been crystal clear or doesn't think they need to give an explanation and it kind of like brings me to like my final thought in this and it's that do we as humans social creatures owe other humans something
0: like do we owe people things behaviors i think it depends on who the other person is right like inherently if you care about someone else you probably feel some sense of like duty to explain but if you've gotten to the point where you know you don't really care about this person anymore you would feel like you don't have the duty but I think anytime you had some sort of like substantial relationship there is a duty to you know explain yourself not explain fully but like at least give a Give some sort of answer to the other person.
1: I remember when, you know, you were in a situation like this and the other person kept on pushing back saying like they didn't have, they didn't have the capacity, but that's therapy talk. They didn't actually say that, right? Yeah. They just, yeah, they didn't actually say that. Were emotionally spent and couldn't handle it. And I think that is kind of like, it's an appropriate response. It's not like both parties are closing the door in an open conversation. It's finding the right time and the right amount of energy to give to a situation. I've been in situations where, you know, it was kind of like a flat, closed door, like no open communication. And that's fine because I never really wanted like a conversation anyways. But I think like the best way to handle this is if you are going to give like a ghost type of answer or like a therapy talk type of answer – Always be more open to
0: having the door open again for like a conversation whenever you're ready. Yeah. Also, there's so much misunderstanding happening all the time. People are not communicating the same way you are. You know, it's very easy to not fully understand what each person is saying. So I think like having just an open dialogue allows clarity in a way that is necessary sometimes.
1: I remember... I used to tell this one friend who I'm no longer friends with, honestly, because I think she is a little bit selfish and maybe she's grown, but Mm -hmm. her whole thing was like, A, she thought every situation was about her and in life, it's not, and she didn't have that awareness, (laughs) but like two situations that really stood out to me was one, like she wanted answers from every single guy that she was A, like talking to or like was dating Anna Poi and she was like, (laughs) she wanted to send out a survey and not as a joke, not as like a funny joke, but as a, like I deserve answers. Like they owe me answers type of way, which is just, in my opinion, like, yes, you can ask for it, but not in such like an entitled way. Like it has to be more of a natural conversation. And then B is when she, I don't know, stalked her professor Because she was kind of like in love with him to the point where he reported her to like, I don't know, student legal services or like reported her to student services. What is the like, yeah, the judicial or like service that's at a school? Anyways, he reported her (laughs) and she was like so mad because she like she was like, I he owes me a recommendation letter and I don't know, maybe I spent too much time trying to convince her at this point like you know if someone is like so convinced of this like there's no reason why I should be spending so much energy but I was just so emotionally spent trying to convince her that
0: he doesn't owe her anything at this point yeah you don't even
1: want that recommendation letter
0: yeah I think what's different is in those situations she like didn't really have real relationships with these people like you would not expect your like random hinge date that you went on three dates with to like give you a reason I think it was
1: more than that but at the same time like in her mind it was less about the tenure and more just like a blanket statement that you know she deserves like to know or understand and maybe she does but It's also on your end to, like, kind of understand, like, read the situation for yourself a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think it's very nuanced of, like, when you do deserve it or, like, when you do feel like you're owed it. And also that's what makes it hard, right? Like, one person can think one thing and the other person thinks, like, no, I don't owe this. And just makes it fuzzy.
1: Okay. I have a funny story that I actually saw on TikTok the other day and it was when I was in this rabbit hole of watching toxic friendship TikTok stories. I don't know why, but maybe I just love to trigger myself. (laughs) But this one girl was like best friends with this other girl and this girl like recently had broken up with her boyfriend of like three years or something, but they were mutual friends with everyone and her best friend had invited both individuals to her birthday party um so the girl and her ex-boyfriend and the girl knew that her ex-boyfriend was going to be there she's like it's fine we have mutual friends but then when she was at the party she was in the bathroom at one point and she hears like her best friend go oh so-and-so to like her ex-boyfriend we brought you a little gift and the gift was this girl that he supposedly had a crush on at no. work and this girl was like obviously devastated right no. the ex-girlfriend was devastated and she was like crying in yeah. the bathroom. and the best friend the next day was like you were so selfish at my party like you ruined my party and it's just like you are being a bad friend oh my god if you are actually
0: bringing a new girl to your birthday party for her ex-boyfriend Like, where does your loyalty lie? Yeah, and, yeah, where does your loyalty lie? And it's, like, don't do it right in front of my face. It's about respect. It's, like, okay, if you wanted to introduce him to, or, like, set this up, do it away from the ex-girlfriend. That's just rude. Exactly. So
1: I think, like, overall, I don't know if that counts as therapy talk. Probably not, (laughs) but I think social media does a really good job at explaining certain situations that we don't have necessarily experience in but on the other hand I think it's yeah difficult for those of us who don't have that experience who are much younger and more impressionable to understand that like there are so many nuances to every situation we should always take these blanket statements with like a grain of salt
0: for sure Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us on all social media at Clown Vibes Podcast or email us at clownvibespodcast at gmail.com. And if you like our
1: show and want to support us, please like, subscribe, and give us a rating and review. That's it for today. Bye, Clowns. Bye, Clowns.